is Christian Questions. Cecil B. DeMille once said, The person who makes a success of living is the one who sees his goal steadily and aims for it unswervingly. That is dedication. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And we're glad that you've chosen to spend some time with us on this fine Sunday morning. And Jonathan, good morning. It's a great day today. Oh, it is, Rick. Uh, we have all kinds of things going on here at the studio. Uh, first of all, what's our subject? Okay. Our question is this morning, why do we baptize? And our theme text comes from Acts 22, verse 16. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So, baptism is our subject this morning. It is one of the central themes of Christianity, and it is held as sacred by all denominations. Now, you would think that with such a widespread agreement that Christianity would be in agreement, but alas, we are not. (laughs) Here are the areas of concern, the areas of differences and discrepancies. Who should be baptized? What does baptism actually mean? When, at what age, should baptism take place? Why should we be baptized? And how? How is baptism properly administered? So, Jonathan, with such a simple, you'd think, such a simple, straightforward subject, there's a million questions. There are, Rick. And there's a million answers. That's right. But what does the Bible say? That's what we want to dig down to this morning. So obviously, there's going to be uh, several different points of view on this subject. Uh, We'd certainly love to hear the different points of view. You'll hear ours as it develops uh, throughout the program. This is a special uh, day, Rick. Yeah, it is kind of a special day. Some, some, there's so, you actually have cupcakes at the studio here this morning. I do indeed. At 7 o'clock in the morning. And they have candles in them. Candles. Does that mean somebody's birthday? It does. Whose birthday? Christian Questions, 15th year birthday. It was June 12th, 1998, when we started broadcasting. That's right. That's a long time. It is. We're old. (laughs) 15 years ago. So it's actually in the middle of the week. uh, And as the program unfolds, we'll give you a little bit of an insight as to uh, some of the things about that very first broadcast and and how things got started and, and how we got to where we are today. And uh, so it is a special day. We have some great-looking cupcakes. They smell absolutely delicious. Lots of chocolate. Yeah, I know. You're good. You're good. good. (laughs) You made me happy. But anyway, let's get to our subject this morning. Uh, We're talking about baptism and how... how it works and how it's supposed to work. And uh, let's start out just quick. We're, we're going to present different perspectives through the sound bites. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to start out with a soundbite from John Piper that kind of gives the, the magnitude, puts baptism in, in the context of the magnitude of its meaning. And I think that's, this is a great place to start. So let's listen to this. Baptism gets its meaning and its importance from the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, for our sins, and from His resurrection from the dead. We're not talking mainly here when we talk about baptism 
We're not talking mainly about a religious ritual. We're not talking mainly about a church tradition. We're talking mainly about Christ. We're talking mainly about His death. We're talking mainly about His resurrection and how He has appointed that His life, His death, His resurrection be dramatized as people pass from death to life. So he's giving you a sense of the bigness of baptism. Absolutely. And that also kind of gives a hint as to the direction we're going with the, with the baptism discussion. And one of the big things, Jonathan, is, okay, is baptism, does baptism change you, or is it a symbol of what changes in you? That's a great question. And that's one of the questions we're going to be wrestling with during the program <laughs> this morning. Uh, okay. Who should be baptized? Should babies be baptized? Or is it just for adults? Is it sprinkling or immersion? All of these things we have to get through and, and, and try and, and, and figure out uh, according to Scripture. So, folks, if you have a thought on baptism, we'd love to hear it. That's what we're here for. We're here to put the, your thoughts on the table along with ours. Our number is 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live. Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And if you have any questions on our subject, give us a call or ask your questions at ChristianQuestions.com or go to Facebook or email us at Rick at ChristianQuestions.net. So let's get started here uh, by looking at, um, asking a basic question. How many kinds of baptism were there in the New Testament? Is it one? Is it two? Is it three? Is it more? And you think, wait, 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 isn't baptism baptism? No! No, actually, no, it's not. Let's take a look at uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. And when, one of the things you think about when you think about baptism is the guy who was, is, is famous for it. Oh, yeah, John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Why is he famous for it? Because his name is John the Baptist. <laughs> That's why he's famous for it. Okay, so what kind of baptism was John the Baptist in? Baptist involved in. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. John did baptize in the wilderness, and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So you have to ask the question, what was John's baptism about? Now there's a sentence in there, Jonathan, that says, preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Yes. So you say, okay, his baptism was about repentance for the remission of sins. So was it about both of those things? Was John's baptism focused on repentance for the remission of sins, or is that misreading? And he say, well, how can you be misreading? You just read what it says. You know, it's not that many words. How can you? So uh, before we answer that, let's get into what, what does it mean? First of all, what does repentance mean here? This, it, is, this is important. It means compunction and reversal. So repentance has to do with a changing of my ways. That's right. So I'm going in one direction. I realize I shouldn't be going in that direction. And I stop, I turn, and I start going the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. A reversal. That's what repentance is. It's not just, well, you know, okay, so I'm sorry already. Yeah, it, that's not it. That's not repentance. Uh, so, so repentance is a big thing. And now... The question is, was John's baptism just about repentance, or is it about repentance for the remission of sins? I mean, was, did John's baptism have to do with taking away sins? 
Because isn't that kind of when you isn't read that, that Jesus's well, well, yeah, it is. So why does it say that about John's baptism, or does it say that about John's baptism? Great question. Uh, that's why we're asking it. Let's look at Acts chapter thirteen, verse twenty-four. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. So there, this is looking back upon the the baptism of John and by looking back upon and summing it up it's saying when John way back when he preached the baptism of repentance and and there's no remission of sins no, mentioned no not mentioned uh, and now that's interesting that's interesting now let's look at another scripture hebrews 6:1 therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ let us go on unto perfection not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So you have a couple of scriptures that look at repentance as a very, very beginning stage, a very beginning process. And Acts is saying that John's baptism was about setting the stage, if you will. And it's kind of like the first step, Rick, uh, of oneself relating to sin. Right. So you have the very first step. John's baptism was about that very first it, it step. It was to wake them up. So then why did that first scripture say that well, he preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins? All right. And what does remission of sins mean? Let's, what's remission mean? It, it means freedom and pardon. So you, you were right when you said, isn't that Jesus' work? Yeah. Yeah, John had nothing to do with that. No, no. So his baptism was only about the repentance part. Now, just, it was like, get ready. Right, exactly. Get your hearts ready. Exactly. And what we want to do is, is understand that to begin the discussion on baptism because it's when we get the, the point that the baptism under Jesus is different than the baptism under John, it helps us to begin to understand the whole subject of baptism because it's, it, it's complicated. It is. As simple as you might think, oh, you get in the water and you get wet and things are good – it's not nearly, nearly that simple. A couple of scriptures about the, the, the remission part. Actually, let's just do one because we're going to be running out of time here. Luke twenty four forty seven, And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So there, when it's talking about the name of Jesus, repentance and remission of sins are mentioned. That's right. They're combined. Right. They're a part of Jesus' name. So here's what happens. In that Mark scripture we started out with, that was essentially a narrative describing the scene and the purpose of John's baptism. And right. so when you think about it, John's baptism was for the purpose of repentance. Mm -hmm. To get ready for the coming remission of sins. Which only Jesus could pay. Right. So I added all of those extra words in there. Yes, because, you did. <laughs> <laughs> because when you read it, if you put a comma in there after repentance, it actually makes perfect sense. Uh, preach the baptism of repentance, comma, for the remission of sins. Later. Parentheses, Good. which would come from Jesus. Exactly. And parentheses. So we're adding that to, to, to describe it and pinpoint what John's baptism was about. Why is that important? Because baptism is a critically important issue in Christianity. It is. And we got to get it right if we're going to get it at all. So let's try to, to really focus on that. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And stay connected to Rick and I at ChristianQuestions.com, no matter the day or time. So, baptism from John was about repentance. Uh, Acts 11:16. Then remember I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, 
but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So now you're adding another dimension because we think of baptism when we think of water, and yet in Acts it adds this other dimension of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's right. And and isn't this uh, alluding to Pentecost? Yes. Yeah, I, okay. I, I think it absolutely is focusing on that particular singular event, and you, we, we're not going to get into that in detail. It's a fascinating event to look at. But you see God's Holy Spirit, God's power and influence literally coming upon the, the apostles at that Pentecost time. It was dramatic. It was. And you had the sound of the wind. Tongues and, of fire. And, oh, it just was amazing, <laughs> amazing stuff. So as we look at this whole thing, Jonathan, let's, let's wrap this, this beginning, this introduction, if you will, uh, up into a bow, uh, with a bow. Observations. John's baptism was what? It was only linked to repentance, never uh, anything more. So repentance, and who was baptized by John? Was it just were there pagans being baptized? Were all kinds of people lining up? It was Jews. Jews, that's right. It, it, it was it was the people, the God's chosen people, who had strayed away from being faithful that were coming back. That John was drawing to him so that he could draw them to Jesus. Right. And John was big about saying, "Look, this is not about me. I'm paving the way for somebody who's so great." that I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so it gives you a sense that John knew his place and played his part with, with great zeal to say, you've got to repent, you've got to prepare your heart because the one coming after me is going to change your life. And how faithful he was with Jesus saying, no greater one than this uh, right. of all my holy prophets. So John said, okay, repent. Jesus' baptism is linked to repent. Is, is, uh, John said, repent of your sins. Jesus' baptism was linked to repentance because forgiveness was the big part of it. That's right. And the Holy Spirit added in. And Jesus' baptism replaced John's. And that's the big thing. John's baptism was a temporary situation that was in place for the Jewish nation to get their hearts ready for the coming of Jesus, who would come just six months after John started his ministry. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, why do we baptize? Coming up, how many times was Jesus baptized? Is this a trick question? Really, Rick? More than once? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, why do we baptize? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, uh, today we are we are looking back 15 years ago. It wasn't actually today, 15 years ago, but it was in a uh, few days, June June 12th, which is Wednesday, 15 years ago, that we first set foot in this studio to do do the very first broadcast of Christian Questions. Oh, was that scary, Rick? <laughs> <laughs> it was actually Friday mornings from nine to ten when that, we started. That's right. That's right. And uh, the there was. Yeah, it was, because that was the first time I'd ever been in a radio station, never mind. <laughs> never yeah, mind. And I loved, loved it. You, you kept asking me questions, and I was nodding. Yeah. But that didn't quite work on radio, did it? No. <laughs> <laughs> because it just, 
you're sitting there in front of a microphone for the first time, and when the guy, the guy's name was Anthony, I think, remember? Yeah, That was yeah. working with us. He you're says, right. okay, five seconds, and then you had that deer in the headlights look like, Panic. wait a minute, we don't belong here, stop! <laughs> we were kidding. <laughs> but somehow or other, we made it through. Very. You know what we'll do is next week, let me see if I can find some sound bites from that very first program. Do you have to? <laughs> Really, Rick? Yeah. I mean, we can envision how poor it was. <laughs> I know, but it's kind of fun. You don't have to laugh at yourself. That's all. So, folks, next week we can look forward to that. Um, but anyway, back to our subject, uh, baptism. You asked a question at the end of the last segment. How many times was Jesus baptizing? Yeah. Oh, what? Really? Hold on. I mean, first of all, we know he was baptized at Jordan. And we know that. Matthew three thirteen to 17 tells us that. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee. At the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? So John knows why he's there. He knows he's there for the baptism of repentance. And here Jesus comes up to him, and he's thinking, wait a minute. You don't have anything to repent for. What are you coming to me for? That's right. He's asking a very basic, very logical question. And what does Jesus say? But Jesus answering said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. So he doesn't really tell John... uh, The real... He doesn't give him a logical answer. He just says, trust me on this. Let's do it. Yeah, and so John says, okay. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said... This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Obviously, it was this was not for repentance or the remission of sins. It was the beginning of something new, because what happened after Jesus' baptism was something that never happened after anybody else's. That's right. So there's a whole different thing happening here. So Jesus is baptized that one time. Yes. And yet, in Luke 12:50, here's what it says. But I have a baptism to undergo. And how distressed I am until it's accomplished. So this is Jesus speaking to his disciples years later. And he's saying, I have a baptism to undergo. And it's stressing me out. That's, that's what Jesus is saying. Wow. So there is a second baptism. So what was the second baptism? Was it another baptism of water or was it something entirely different? And I think that, Jonathan, once we understand and we're gonna be gotta, we've got to begin to lay out our, our perspective here. Once we understand this, we understand that baptism, the water baptism we talk about is a symbol. That's right. Now, everybody, every Christian denomination does not see it that way. Okay. Okay. Every some Christian denominations look at water baptism as an actual event that changes things. We don't. We see it as a symbol of an event that changes things. So again, folks, if you have a thought, it's eight six six nine eight five four two five five. Toll free eight six six nine eight five four. All we are live Sunday mornings from seven to nine, and that means we're on right now. Stay connected to Rick and I. Any day or time at ChristianQuestions.com, exclusive videos, audio clips, our great rewind tool, and much, much more. Right after the show or any day this week, jump on to ChristianQuestions.com. That's right. Jump right on there, ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. It's free. It's easy to get. It's easy to unsubscribe. And it's got all of the things we're talking about and much, much, much more. A simple email. Graphics, illustrations, bonus material. It's big. It really makes things look look very very clear all right so so jesus is talking about 
about another baptism. He, he was baptized once, but he says, hey, but there's another baptism that is how distressed I am until it's accomplished. So this was something very, very, very big and, and, and difficult yes. for Jesus. So what was it? Well, before we get to answering that question, let's go to another soundbite. We got this from YouTube under uh, the, the title was Why Baptism? And it's talking about Israel. And baptism, and, and this is interesting, Jonathan, because it helps us to begin to develop the idea of what baptism really means. God sends Moses to lead. He puts his hands outstretched over the waters of the Red Sea, and the waters literally part as the people of Israel walk through on dry ground. Now Pharaoh's armies think they can get to them, so they pursue them, except as they enter the Red Sea, the waters come back in and swallow them up. And all of a sudden, you're Israel. You've been saved twice already. You're standing on dry ground. You've come up out of the water. And that, that was a really quick little illustration, but it's talking about Israel sort of being baptized. In the Red will, Sea? In the Red Sea. Oh, okay. And he says, you come up out of the water, and they were using it as an illustration of what baptism is. They were saved through that act of baptism. So did the baptism actually save them, or was it a symbol of something bigger? That's what we're getting to now. So, let's look at the real baptism of Jesus. And, you know, and, and I say that with a little hesitancy. It's like, did, well, was the other one a fake? No, <laughs> it was a symbol. It was a beginning place where Jesus started. But the real baptism of Jesus, the real immersion into the calling of Christ for us, is for us to follow, calling for us to live and die for a cause. Jesus not only had his path before him, but he also placed it before his followers. Yes. And that's the key. You look at what Jesus did and the baptism that he was going to be baptized with, but he pla- it was not only for him, but then he placed that exact uh, scenario before us to say, if you're going to be a follower of me, follow me. Yeah. W- walk in my steps. Yes. Mark 10, 35 to 39. James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus saying, teacher... We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you want me to do was yeah. Jesus' answer. Yeah, but. yeah. So, and so, so what is it they ask him? They said to him, grant that we may sit one on your right and the other on your left in your glory. So here you have James and John very boldly coming up to Jesus. So this is not really early in the ministry. And he loves them, and they are faithful, and they're some of his closest friends. But they're not very mature. No. Especially in spiritual matters at this point. So Jesus looks at them, and he gives them a very, very important answer. What does he say? You You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? So he says, are you able to go through the things I'm going through, and are you able to be baptized later? Future. Now, now they would have been baptized before this. Right. Okay? So he's telling them, are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you shall drink, and you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. So then that really means that there's more than one baptism for the followers of Jesus as well as for Jesus. That's right. Because you have this water baptism. Which was a symbol. But then you have this action baptism, which is not a symbol. It's a dedication. It It is a living of the things that are, that are important. So, so here you have, near the end of his ministry, his two closest followers ask him uh, for a position. He warns them, 
that position comes with a price, and that they would yet be baptized with his baptism. Well, what was the price? What was the price of this baptism? And it's interesting because you know they're they're saying that, and if they had the, listened, they're saying we'll do it, we'll do it, right? But if <laughs> if they had listened to what Jesus had just said to them before they asked the question, it's like they weren't even listening. Because here, you know, we sort of dropped in on the narrative. Mm-hmm, these mm-hmm. these two come up to Jesus and ask, and it, actually, in one of the other gospels, it's their mother. That asks Jesus. That's right. That's right. So you have this question to Jesus, but just before they have this question to him, Master, can we one of us sit on your right and the other on your left? Because we know you're we're we're the two best. So you know, why don't you just elevate us now? You know, Uh, (laughs) Jesus. Here's what he described to them before that in Matthew 10, going back a few verses, 32 to 34. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking on ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who followed were fearful. And again, he took the twelve aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to him. So, so he begins to say, okay, here are the events that are going to unfold. And he, he tells them very specifically the future. Here's what he says. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and scourge him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise again. When you look at all that was said in those two sentences, that's a drama being unfolded. He's, that's right. Here, here you have, and now let's, let's put this in context. Here you have the, the, the disciples of Jesus following him wherever he goes. And wherever he goes, what happens? He heals people. Mm-hmm. He preaches the good news of the kingdom of heaven. That's right. He, uh, he is challenged by the scribes and the Pharisees. He always gives honor to his heavenly father. He always gives answers to the scribes and Pharisees that they can't answer. Yep. He, he puts things in a perspective that nobody's ever heard, and he is like a magnet drawing people to him. Yes. And yet, and you're, you're following this saying, hey, I mean, wouldn't you, you follow this? You say, this is, this is a great place to be. Oh, yeah. I'm with this man who not only uh, heals the sick, he can provide food when it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has the greatest teaching and ministry and, and, and profound truth that I've ever heard. And, and everything seems to go, I, even when it's stormy at sea, he calms the sea, for goodness sake. That's right. And so everything is good, and you're seeing this, and following after Jesus, and then here he says, by the way, here's what's going to happen. It's a prophecy to them in, in a day ahead. I'm going to die. Yeah. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be ridiculed. I'm going to be turned over to the Gentiles, and I'm going to die. This was the baptism that he was to be baptized with. And so it's funny because, it's not funny, it's kind of sad. Right after he tells them that he is going to die, and rise again. His followers say, well, can you elevate us? Once you're risen again, it's like that's the only thing they heard. Right. Can you elevate us to one at the right when and one at the left? When you're in glory, yeah. And he says, okay, you're not sure, you don't know what you're asking. Can you go through the things that I just described? Can you do that? That was the baptism. So the baptism, the true baptism of Jesus was the experience of sacrifice and death. That's what his baptism truly was. That's a baptism of fire. Yes, it, it, truly, it really is. And Romans eight seventeen really helps to describe that. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. So there is summing up what the disciples desired to be glorified with Jesus, but it's summing up the fact that you can't get the goods 
unless you go through the experiences. And that's the reality, a life of sacrifice. Right. The reality is if you don't go through this life of sacrifice, you can't possibly be glorified with me. And, and that, Jonathan, is important because as we look at baptism now, Again, when you look at the different denominations, some denominations look at baptism as sort of an initiation into membership into a church. Right. Does that have anything to do with suffering? No. It doesn't. But Jesus here is talking about the truest baptism being focused on suffering and even death. We have some denominations that say, well, you know, baptism is, for, is, is to cancel out original sin. And therefore, every child, every baby born, was born in sin because we're born into the sinful world, and they're right. Mm -hmm. So they should be baptized so that they can have that original sin canceled out and, and have essentially have the road to, to heaven begin to be paid for them. But is that what this baptism is talking about? It's not. So when we look at all of these things, how do you handle all of those questions and all of those different methods and understandings of baptism? Are all of these things really truly laid out in the scriptures, or are we left to our own devices, our own denominational understandings to say, yes, this one should be baptized, that one should not? Is baptism a, an initiation, or is it something to do with the way you live? Those are the things that we need to, to, to put in place. And now that we see that Jesus talks about baptism, he looks back on his baptism of water, but that's not the key thing. It's his, the baptism of the fiery experience of living and dying that he was really, truly talking about. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, why do we baptize? Coming up, is baptism an initiation into the Christian faith? Does it free us from original sin? Or is it none of the above? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, why do we baptize? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, as we uh, <clears throat> develop the subject on baptism, it, it's a fascinating subject. There's a lot of viewpoints on it. And what we want to do is look at several different viewpoints and, and get a sense uh, from a scriptural standpoint. Well, where do we, th where do we think, where do we believe the Bible uh, brings us uh, on this subject? Before we get to back to that, though, Jonathan, again, we were talking about uh, the fact that uh, just about 15 years ago, it was 15 years ago on June 12th, it was 1998. Christian Questions actually did. We did our very first broadcast. Yes, we did. How, now you had never, <laughs> didn't have any radio experience. None. I did. I had never even been in a radio station before. So how is it that you and I ended up getting on the radio? I mean, was it like, hey, I know what we can do next week. Let's go on the radio. <laughs> well, I had a conversation with a friend Peter from Chicago, which was visiting Sean, which was our original board tech right. uh, at the beginning of uh, our program. Who now lives in Chicago? That's right. And uh, told me of this fantastic idea of, of bringing praise, honor, and glory to God through the airwaves on radio. And it, it, it just hit me. And I got 
so excited because we'd often talked, how can we serve the Lord and, and, right. and bring praise to him? And I said, Rick, I've got this idea from Peter. What do you think? We can, we can do a talk radio show. What was your reaction? Yeah, my reaction. Now, you think, folks, you know me, right? I, I'm like the, the one who's all like, Woo-hoo, let's get going. My reaction is, Jonathan, get, get a grip. Who's gonna, who has the time to do that? <laughs> hey, we we don't know anything about radio. What what do you think this is? That's yeah, you basically said no. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, basically that's what I said. Nah. And uh, good try. <laughs> so that that's how the idea, the seed was planted, and then several months later, the, the, with the Lord's overruling, the, uh, a door opened up, and that's right. And here we are. So <laughs> just an interesting, interesting story, and we'll we'll fill in a few more details as the program goes on in the second hour. So stay with us for that. It's fascinating to look back and think fifteen years. Hard to believe. It is. It's amazing. Let's get back to baptism, Jonathan. A lot to talk about here. Uh, Does baptism change you or does it represent a change in you? That is a huge question because... And and there's there's, uh, thoughts on both sides of those fences uh, from different faiths. Right. Matthew 3.11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So it's interesting because John the Baptist himself is telling us that the baptism you need to pay the most attention to is this Holy Spirit and with fire. Yes. So he's saying there's something much bigger than what I'm doing here. Much bigger. Let's go to a... um, Another another soundbite. This is from bustedhalo.com, and this is giving a sense of uh, the, the... some denominational perspective on looking at a, a, a Catholic perspective on baptism and what it actually, from their perspective, what it actually does. Not only is baptism an initiation into the faith community, it also frees us from sin. See, all of us are born with what we call the stain of original sin. And baptism cleanses us of that stain, sort of like a Windex for the soul. So baptism isn't just kind of a big deal, it's a very big deal. Because all of us, no matter our age, are in need of salvation. And God offers us this completely free gift in the grace of baptism. Children also have need of the new birth and baptism, to be freed from the power of darkness and brought into the realm of the freedom of the children of God to which all people are called. So, the question is, uh, is baptism a Windex for the soul? I guess that's a very cute uh, illustration. I really like that. You know, get a little spray bottle going in the background. Yep. Or, is it something different than that? Should children be baptized, or should they not be baptized? And, Jonathan, we're going to really get into that in the second hour. Yes, All yes. Right, so... You have to stay with us for the second hour. We're not going to really touch that part of the subject this hour, but we're going to deeply get into that in the second hour. If you do have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And the conversation continues online at ChristianQuestions.com. Contact us there with your questions or comments. Also, interact with us on our Facebook and our always-updated blog. Now, Let's take a look at the, the, the main question we started this segment with. Does baptism change you or does it represent a change in you? And we see baptism, from our perspective, to be a symbol of a life-changing dedication to Christ. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and just in the interest of time, let's just read verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, 
new things have come. So it's talking about a transformation. Exactly. All right. And From within. And, and we see baptism as a symbol of that particular transformation. Not that baptism triggers the transformation, but it symbols symbolizes the transformation. Big difference between those two. Oh, it is. Okay. First Peter 3, uh, 18 to 21. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Now, just take that last phrase there. We're going we're gonna to continue with this scripture in a moment. But take that last phrase. Having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Let's remember that, because it's talking about death, going down into death, mm-hmm. then rising up into life. Right. Okay, so hang on to that, 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 that uh, visual picture, if you will, uh, for a few minutes here. Let's continue with this scripture. The patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I think, Jonathan, in this scripture, we have a couple of pieces that help us to understand what baptism is a symbol of. First of all, being put to death in the flesh, then being made alive in the spirit. It's a beautiful picture of going down, being immersed in the water, and then being raised up, lifted up to life. Yes. And and when you look at that as a picture, now obviously what we're saying also is that, well, do you believe baptism is sprinkling or total water immersion being dunked, if you will? Mm-hmm. We're obviously giving you the answer there. Yes. Our perspective. Immersion. It is immersion. Now, there are other denominations that emphatically say, no, it's not. It's not. It doesn't have to be immersion. It certainly could be sprinkling. And the words, and the interesting thing, because, you know, we're big on the words. Oh, we are. And, the Greek and the Hebrew. Right, yeah. right. And, and some of the other perspectives say, well, and the words indicate that it doesn't mean immersion. Well, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> so if we're not on in your area for the second hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com, hit the Listen Live button, and stay with us, because we've got a lot of the, the, the controversy of this subject that's going to be coming to the surface uh, as we go through the second hour. And this is a great program to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. There's a lot of details here. There are. And it's better to not only hear it, but to see it. That's right. And to be able to review it, and we're going to put all the scriptures that we use and many that we don't use in that in that uh, that Seeker Rewind full edition. Only at ChristianQuestions.com. And it's a free service. It's a free service with no obligation. You sign up for it, and you get an email with a PDF attachment. It's a great way to supplement what we're talking about in the morning on a Sunday. So uh, so we, we have this the, the picture of being put to death, being raised up in life. And then the other symbol here, our baptism is an appeal to God for a good conscience. That's right. And it's using the illustration of Noah on in the ark. In the flood. That's being, right. being baptized because he's surrounded by what water, water. <laughs> all right so it's and it's saying that baptism is not for the cleansing it's not a physical cleansing right it's not show, cleaning the dirt off it's showing an appeal to God for a good conscience here let, let's look at another scripture that gives us some manifestations of the internal change that baptism represents and again we're talking about this is key what baptism actually represents. And folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Okay, let's go to that Ephesians scripture, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, and I'm probably going to interrupt you a lot. Walk 
in a manner worthy of the calling. Okay, so there's a manifestation. Uh, baptism is, is manifesting that event. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling. In other words, remember we were talking about repentance? Mm-hmm. It means compunction, changing direction. That's right, reversal. Well, this is saying walk toward which that which you are called. Good. Okay, that's the first point. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. How do you do that walking? Is it with the arrogance of, hey, look at me, I'm a Christian and you ought to, ought to follow me because I'm where it's at? No. It's showing that this baptism is symbolizing this humble, gentle, patient, tolerant, loving way of living. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So not only do you have those characteristics that have to come out in, as, as what baptism manifests, but it also says that we have to work at preserving the unity of the Spirit and not make trouble within the body. Mm-hmm. This is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in the hope of your calling. So there is one body and one spirit. We have to, we are supposed to be, as Christians, and we're not, unfortunately, but we're supposed to be, as Christians, completely united in the one hope of your calling. Mm-hmm. That's what the, the call to Christianity is really for. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now, it's interesting. It says one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and yet we see baptism described in completely different ways. You have the water baptism described, and then the baptism of the Spirit, and the baptism that Jesus says, which was actually not even either of those two things. The baptism that Jesus talks about was the baptism of, of, of sacrifice and death. That was his baptism. That's what he described. So the one baptism, when you look at all of those pieces, you, have, you see that it has to be a symbol so it can capture what Jesus said is the most important thing. Baptism symbolizes the sacrifice and death. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And it all comes back to glorifying God. That's the end result of baptism. So that gives us a sense of what baptism symbolizes. Now, one more scripture as we wrap up this program for this first hour. And again, folks, if we are not on in your area for the next hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com, click Listen Live, and stay with us. We're going to be talking about children and baptism. We're going to be looking at some of the words for baptism. We're actually going to be talking about pickles as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, let's go to Romans twelve one and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Now, think about this in terms of the picture of the event of actually being baptized in water. It really does picture it. Because we present ourselves, it says, present your, you, you, by the mercy of God, present your bodies a, a living sacrifice. You put yourself in the hands of the baptizer. Mm-hmm. You trust that person with your life because they're going to submerge you in water. Yes. So you are really trusting them with your life. Accept, ex- be acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So now we're only acceptable not because we're good, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's through Christ. That's right. And his ransom price paying for our sins, shown as we lay down our lives in the immersion process. So what we're saying is that acceptability comes through Jesus, and when you put your hands in the hands of the immerser, you're putting your faith in that one who is carrying you. A picture of Jesus himself, actually. That's right. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, think about that. Be transformed. So now you're being baptized, and you're literally 
helpless in the hands of the baptizer, who represents putting ourselves in the hands of Jesus, lowering us into the water, lowering us into the death of our own will. Figuratively, our, our physical death as well. And, and then finish up the scripture. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So you're being lowered down into the water in the hands of that baptizer, helpless in the hands of Jesus, and it's by his merit and his grace that you are lowered down That's right. into death, not only of your will, but you're, you're, you're saying, I'm, I'm, I'm promising my physical death, and then being raised up to a newness of life. So we can live differently than before. And that's the point, and that's why baptism is there. It's to show us the magnificent dedication that's required to be a true footstep follower of Jesus. And that Romans 12, 1 and 2 scripture actually illustrates the steps of what baptism does. Now, again, so water baptism is a symbol of living a baptized life. It's a symbol of living a life that is focused on and dedicated to the following of Jesus' footsteps, the service of God through Christ, the putting down and putting aside of your own will, your own life, your own thinking, taking on the thinking of Christ so you can be a transformed individual, lowered down into the water, brought back up, transformed. In the second hour, folks, we're going to be talking about should children be baptized? We're going to be looking at the definition of the words. Is baptism really truly immersion or does sprinkling? Will sprinkling do? We'll be looking at all of those things and so much more. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. Uh, after the news and all of that, we will be back to further our conversation with baptism. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and uh, tweet us a few, will you? <laughs> we'll be back soon. But till then, why do we baptize? Think about it. is Christian Questions. Harry Fosdick once said, No steam or gas drives anything until it is confined. No life ever grows great until it is focused, dedicated, and disciplined. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience and promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, we do have quite an interesting topic on the table for this morning. We do, and our question, Rick, is why do we baptize? And our theme text is found in Acts 22, verse 16. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So we're talking about baptism. We're looking at how baptism works. We're looking at it from several denominational perspectives. And, and there's a lot of disagreement on this one. There is. And so what we want to do is put the several different perspectives on the table. So folks, your calls will help with that. Uh, we want to put those several different perspectives on the table and say, okay, let, let's, let's discuss them. Let's be nice about it. Uh, and then see if we can find what we think the scriptures teach. Now, obviously, what we think the scriptures teach may be different than what you think the scriptures teach. That's great. That's fine. Let's talk about it. Also, Rick, this is a special Sunday. Um, we are having our 15th birthday for Christian Questions. 
June 12, 1998 was a Friday morning, and we did our very first broadcast from 9 to 10 on Friday morning, June 12, 1998. Uh, neither one of us ever had, having been on the radio before. No, no. And uh, it was very a very fascinating experience. And uh, folks, I gotta, just got to tell you that we got in the studio, and, and when we got started, my friend Jonathan, and look, this was all his idea, okay? Let's get it straight. It's his idea. <laughs> yeah, yo, we can do this. <laughs> <laughs> We get started, and we're on the air, and that little red light is on, you know, on-air light. Uh-oh. And I'm starting, and I'm talking. And you're looking scared, which made me more scared. Yeah, but at least I talked. <laughs> I know, that's true. <laughs> I did a lot of nodding, not much, well, less talking than I normally <laughs> yeah. do, which is... <laughs> but it, it was, what a great, great experience to start. And, you know, actually, next week, what we want to do is, um, we had our, my, my wife, Trish, went to your house with Jewel. That's right. And they, they were listening together with, with Sean's wife, Rebecca. Very nervously. And uh, we're going to hear a little bit of their perspective next week. Yes. On, on what it was like to be there. So, uh, folks, you want to uh, join us next week for that little bit of tidbit of, uh, of information on the beginnings of Christian Questions. Let's get back to our subject of baptism here. Does baptism, is it something that should be focused on every, every human being that, that to, to be saved? Is that something that's necessary? I want to go to a soundbite from VaticanCatholic.com. So obviously you know what, what perspective we're going to be looking at. We're going to look, look at the, 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 uh, the papal perspective here on baptism. And they bring up an interesting uh, uh, correlation to the Old Testament, which we're going to spend some time on. So listen to this. Well, infants were circumcised in the Old Testament. If baptism is the new circumcision, it follows that infants are to be baptized in the New Testament. If not, then God would have been more generous, more universal, more inclusive in the inferior Old Covenant than he is in the New. But this is not the case. The salvation which is made available in Jesus is open to all peoples, Jews and Gentiles, It's unthinkable that Jesus would not establish a means to incorporate children into his spiritual kingdom and to give them his blessings and salvation. That says a lot. That says a lot because basically it's saying, and it's making a very dramatic statement about, okay, you had circumcision in the Old Testament as the sort of the the, the measure of inclusion, and that was obviously done on the eighth day of a child's life, of a, of, right. of a little eight boy's days. life. Yeah. So the point they're making is, look, if baptism is replacing that because that's the way you became included, that's the way you showed that you were one of the children of God. Part, it, part of that covenant. Right, and that's true. Let, let's take a look at the, uh, and we're just going to read certain parts of it, but Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 to 14, it, um, is looking at, at, at circumcision, and this predates Judaism. See, that, that's the important thing to remember. This is all about Abraham. Abram. Abram. Actually, yeah, even predating Abraham, talking about Abram. So let's see what happens in Genesis 17. Circumcision was a key, key factor to being one of God's chosen people. There's no question about that. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. This is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. All right, so 
God comes to Abram, says to him, I'm changing your name to Abraham. I'm establishing my covenant with you and to your generations. So there's there's big things happening. There's a name change, and that's significant. It is. And, well, let's continue. Verse 8. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land where you are now an alien, all the land of Canaan, for a perpetual holding, and I will be their God. All right. So not only is name changed... He says, but I'm also going to give you a land in which to live. There's an inheritance. So this is getting bigger and bigger, isn't it? Yes. You change the name. You give the promise of being a, a blesser nation. You give them a place to, to live and dwell forever, mm-hmm. the land of Israel. Now what? This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Throughout your generation, every male among you shall be circumcised when he is eight days old. Any uncircumcised male shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So there is not only big happenings here, the name change, the the promise of the uh, being the blesser nation, the land. Inheritance, yeah. You, you have the circumcision right that is established. And God says to Abraham, this is going to be the symbol of who is my people. So circumcision was a symbol. It was it was a very significant inclusion, though. If you didn't get that circumcision, you weren't shown to be one of God's chosen. So, so, so that, that's a very significant uh, um, point. And, and, and the point that was made in the soundbite, Jonathan, is, well, look, every male at eight, day, eight days old was to be circumcised. That's right. Therefore, if baptism replaces that because it's showing the inclusion, then every child should be baptized as well. Okay. So they're making a very significant argument there. Well, what do we do with that? Plenty. <laughs> and we'll get to that in a moment. Jonathan, why don't we go to the phones All first, right. though? We have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning. Thank good you morning. for taking my call. You're welcome. I say... Uh, at first, you thought, will we survive 15 minutes, <laughs> 15 days? Here you are 15 years. Congratulations. Well, thank you. It's certainly, you look back, uh, and it's hard to believe it's been I that long. I think the Lord has blessed, blessed your ministry, I'm sure. Uh, uh, one thing about uh, baptism, I, I think uh, we agree that it is of Jewish origin. John the Baptist. Yes. He was baptized in the Jews for the remission of sins. Right, okay. Number two, uh, oh, number one, as far as baptism goes, it's a commitment. As you brought out in uh, Mark, Mark Scripture ten thirty five, are you are you willing to commit yourself to to this uh, situation, to the, the conditions which go with this, uh, you know, uh, being on the right hand, whatever, whatever your position you're seeking, there's a commitment for it, and. Uh, the second point on baptism is uh, transformation. You mentioned that already from Romans 12, verse 2. And uh, I like the uh, Gospel of John, chapter 3. Remember the Nicodemus encounter with the Lord Jesus? Mm-hmm. You must be born again. And he mentions of water and of spirit. Thank you. God bless. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, interesting thing about Julius is uh, there have been actually... I think of of all the folks who have ever called us 
over time. I think Julius has been with us longer than anybody else. I think you're right. I think he's been calling us maybe maybe for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> Julius, I think you've got some years on you. <laughs> and we're so glad that he continues to call and contribute to our, our, our Sunday morning Bible study that he so often calls it. Absolutely. So, Julius, thanks for the thoughts. And, and again, baptism does have a, a Jewish origin. It is not a Christian rite, if you will. It's a Jew of Jewish origin. We're going to get into that in the next segment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a commitment... And it, it signifies a transformation. So let, let's get back to this 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 uh, uh, circumcision thing, Jonathan, because it was a physical thing that was done to children, right? Okay, as a, as a symbol of their being a part of of the Jewish nation. Okay, so so it was a physical. It was all inclusive. It was given in the context of a name change and a land inheritance. That's where it where where um, circumcision came from. Mm-hmm. It was a physical sign. Well. In the context of Christian baptism, let's think about this for a minute, okay? Because it is a symbol of not physical transformation, but, and Julie said it, spiritual. Spiritual, yes. Okay? So it's a symbol of spiritual transformation. It's inclusive of, of who? Of, the called out ones. Right. It's inclusive of all of those who have decided to take the name of Christ and live a Christ-like life. That's who it is symbolizing, not just the fact that you live, but the fact that you live in Christ by deciding to do so. And they're looking forward to a new name and a heavenly inheritance. So there are parallels between the institution of circumcision and the institution of baptism from a Christian standpoint, Yes, but not on the same plane. Circumcision is physical. Baptism in in the Christian context is all spiritual. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact... Where the Old Testament focuses on children being circumcised, right? boys being circumcised the eighth day of their lives, the New Testament proclaiming uh, proclamations regarding infants and children are actually all referring to adults. Oh, really? Well, think about this for a minute. Let's go to a few scriptures that help us to understand that this is a spiritual transformation. And Julius nailed it by, by saying it that way. This is a spiritual transformation. First Peter 2, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect. To salvation. A newborn Christian must be babied. That's what this is saying. You have they have to be babied to because if they are just getting started in the way of Christ, they have to grow up into it. We need to learn the fundamentals first before we can get into deeper things later. So this idea of becoming a Christian is not just, oh, I think I love Jesus, I want to be saved. There is way more to it than that. And that's what Jesus himself said. Are you able to be baptized with the baptism I'm to be baptized with? And only an adult can answer that question. Right. Only somebody who has their faculties about them and is able to make the conscious, moral, and ethical decision of I'm going to put my will aside and take on the will of Christ. It's a lifelong decision. And so, and it shows that they are, even though you make that mature decision, you start out as a babe. As a baby. You start out as a baby. Now, let's go to Hebrews five twelve and 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to not to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, 
who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So as Christians, as Christian babies, you're supposed to grow up. You're not supposed to stay a baby. And then Ephesians 4, uh, 11 to 15, um, let's go, just jump down to verse 14 because we're almost out of time in this segment. As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So if you want to take the symbol of, of circumcision and say, okay, well, all the babies were circumcised, th- there's, there's, there's truth to that. But we see Christian baptism as being the, the circumcision of the heart when you decide to follow Christ in an adult fashion, and then you are a baby in Christ, and you grow up to become an adult in Christ to sacrifice your life. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, why do we baptize? Coming up, were children and infants baptized in the New Testament? How many examples can you think of? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, why do we baptize? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, you really laid down a, a very important question at the end of the last segment. How many examples can you think of of children, little children, being baptized in the New Testament? And that's a question that we want to carry into this segment, and we're going to look at some of the scriptures that that folks that believe in infant and children child baptism rely upon to to support their point of view. Okay. Before we do that, though, let's go to another soundbite. Um, actually, before we do that, just another just another quick quick thought about about uh, getting started 15 years ago because this week is our 15 year birthday for Christian Questions. Uh, did you think? 15 years ago, we'd still be sitting here 15 years later. No way. On several radio stations, having conversations with people all over the world. Which is amazing. It, isn't the it, Lord is so good. Isn't it like completely overwhelming? Definitely. We have this whole team of folks who volunteer to make this program happen. Uh, there are several here in the studio, but there's people all over in all different places uh, doing the Seeker Rewind, doing the YouTube stuff, doing all of these other things that have become part of the Christian Questions world. World that that God has given us the the by His overruling the ability to to have just kind of be put in place yeah all to give praise and honor to God isn't that it's just amazing it is all right back to baptism uh, we're going to be hearing from the the, uh, the the minister at Mars Hill Church on when are you old enough to be baptized but we will baptize children who are old enough to have a profession of faith. And we set this up with the parents. The parents, your first pastors, you're raising your kids. And if they love Jesus and they want to get baptized, I don't want you to push your kids to make a profession. I don't want you to push them to communion. I don't want you to push them to baptism. But if and when they're ready and their heart opens up to Jesus, we're glad to baptize them. It was really great seeing uh, at Easter when, when, in the grace of God, we baptized 724 people. Some of them were children and mothers and fathers were assisting with a baptism. That's what we believe. 
So that perspective is you should be baptized when you're old enough to have a profession of faith. Okay. All right. So that's so you have there's three basic schools of thought on on baptizing baptizing in children. One is you you should be baptized as an infant to be uh, have original sin canceled out in your life so you can be welcomed into the church. There's the second perf- uh, perspective that says if you're old enough to profess faith, you are old enough to be baptized. Mm-hmm. And then there's a third perspective that says it is a baptism that symbolizes sacrifice. You need to be old enough to make the conscious decision to live a life of sacrifice in Jesus' footsteps. Right. That's a wide variety. It is. All right. It is. So let's look at the New Testament, folks. If you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. And that means we're on right now. And go to our website and become a Twitter follower to learn about upcoming programs and any new updates posted. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. All right. Now, Rick, you were talking about um, this minister from Mars Hill. His son was five years of age when he dedicated. When he he made a profession of faith. I want to be baptized. And and his father had him go before the elders of the church and they asked him the, the questions and, and he answered them properly and affirmatively. So yes, he said yes, he had a profession of faith. So is that the qualification for baptism or is it more than... See, Jonathan, we, we see it as more than that. We do. We see it as much more than that. But then, again, we have different Christian perspectives all over the, the, the spectrum on this, so we want to be respectful of others. Sure. Let's go to the... the um, Conversion of Cornelius, the first Gentile Christian, and that's in Acts chapter 10. An angel appears to Cornelius. Peter and company arrive at Cornelius' home. Let's drop in on this at Acts chapter 10, verses 30 to 33. Cornelius said, Four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Therefore, Send to Joppa and invite Simon, who is called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Cornelius gets the vision because he wants to serve God. Oh, he, yes. He wants to follow Jesus, but he is he's a Gentile. He gets the vision from the angel. It says, get Simon Peter to come and visit you. He does, and he says, okay, you're here now. Thank you for coming. I've got my whole household to hear what you have to say. So he is an incredible example of zeal. And faith. And faith. What happens? Let's jump down to Acts 10, verses 44 to 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon him, all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, Kenny. He ordered them to baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay for a few days. Okay, so what you have is you, uh, these individuals who were there, they were, these were the household of Cornelius. The Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Okay, and see, now, oftentimes when, when you have those who say, okay, show us examples of, of children being baptized, you don't see individual examples anywhere in the New Testament. No. But you do see the phrase, he and his household. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This was the case with Cornelius. That's right. It says, he and his household... We're all baptized. So what we, they, the, the, the 
argument is, well, if it says his household, there are children in the household, therefore, children were baptized. Mm. <laughs> you don't sound okay. convinced. Okay, no. Folks, no. if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And the big question on the table is, should children, should infants be baptized? And go to our website, ChristianQuestions.com, and check out our 500 archive programs. Now, interestingly, Jonathan, it lumps... Cornelius' household with those who were given the gift of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and those that spoke in tongues and those that exalted God. And I dare say there is no example of any small child doing any of those things. Yeah, or receiving any of those gifts. Right. Right. So you, you say, okay, it says his household, and but we're saying, well, his household doesn't include children. Right? You know, what gives us the right to say that? Well, there, there actually are significant... Uh, pieces of information that we need to put together as we look at the scriptures and how they describe households to be able to understand that. We'll, we'll develop that as we go. But here, it is not... It, it's, you're, you're obviously looking at adults here. When, when Cornelius gathers his household, it's those who are capable of listening and understanding and, 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 and making a conscious decision. Yes. Alright, yes. that's Cornelius. Well, there are several other examples in the New Testament that talk about and their whole household. Now, we don't have time to go through all of them, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to ChristianQuestions.com and sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition, because in the bonus material, all of the other examples of and their households will be included, because we don't have time to go through them all sure, during the sure. program. So we're going to touch on one other, and there are several others, and if, and if you're, you're listening, saying, well, how come up you didn't talk about this one, because we don't have time, but it's addressed in CQ Rewind, the full edition. It's a free service. Try it out. You'll like it. Only at ChristianQuestions.com. So, Stefana's household. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 14, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verses 14 to 17. I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. Now, that's an interesting statement. That's not even the subject matter. Right. But, but this is Apostle Paul. Right. Why would the Apostle Paul be saying, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you except for these two guys? Now, well, that is interesting. Because, well, I'll, I'll hold my thoughts. Okay. Continue. So that no one would say you were baptized in my name. Now, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I did not know whether I baptized any other, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. So he's saying, he's sort of recounting things, and he says sort of -of matter-of-factly, yes, I know I did baptize the household of Stephanus. So, again, for those of us who say, well, baptism is appropriate for small children and infants, you can say, well, they're obviously members of the household, therefore they must have been baptized, and the Apostle Paul is himself admitting that. Okay. But is he? But is he talking about baptizing small children when he uses that phrase, their household? That's the key question. And to help to try to get to the answer for that, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 16. Same book, uh, several verses later. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that they were first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves for the ministry to the saints, that you also be in subject to such men, and to everyone who helps in the work and labors. So now, 16 chapters later in the same letter, the Apostle Paul refers back to the household of Stephanus. 
And, and what does he say about them? First of all, he calls them men. That's right. And he says... <laughs> Strong men. Right. And he says, what are they doing? They're devoted to the ministry of the saints. So they are actively working in the, the vineyard, if you will. They're actively engaged in the efforts to proclaim the gospel. Being subject to such men was his encouragement. And that's what he determines. That's how he defines what the household was. Because he doesn't say, well, certain of the household of Stephanus are about the ministry of the gospel. He says all of them are. Mm -hmm. So when we look at that, the household which had been baptized in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 was devoted for the ministry. And they're spoken of as men. And therefore, they're not viewed as children. Correct. And you think, well... So are we saying that when they talked about households, children weren't included? In some cases, that's, that's the, the, the correct way of looking at it. Just a, a different subject, but just another illustration on that. Remember when Jesus performed the miracle of, of feeding the 5,000, and then just, I don't know, maybe two weeks later or a week later, whatever it was, he fed the 4,000? Yes, yes. Okay. The 5,000 and the 4,000, when you look at both of those accounts... It says he fed the multitude, and there were 5,000 men plus women and children. Right. And then in the feeding of the 4,000, it says there were 4,000 men plus women and children. So we know these miracles as feeding 5,000 and 4,000, but there were many, many, many more fed. That's right. But it was focusing on the men. The count was on the men. Exactly. And because that's the way society counted in those days. So if we want to look back and say, okay, what does the Bible teach us about baptism? We have to do it in the context of the way the thinking was. Good point. You can't take your thinking from the year 2013 and go back to you know, AD 32 and, and, and expect that you can drop your thinking in there and understand and have it work. Yeah, yeah. So it was when, when you see the context of when it talks about households, if you look at how it's used and then examples of what happens with those households, what you see is adults doing adult things. That's what you see. So when we see these examples of baptizing households, it's talking about baptizing those who are capable of making the decision to follow Jesus. And that's a big statement to make. Again, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free. 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And check out CQ Rewind at ChristianQuestions.com. It's a free service. You get an email sent to you, and you get to look at the program while you listen uh, to the archive program at the same time. Now, and that's important. Okay, ChristianQuestions.com is where you find everything. It's a great, great website. i got to say it because we didn't build it. That's right. <laughs> Others know so much more than we. <laughs> yeah, and it's such a great thing. Let's look, Jonathan, at Romans eight fourteen to 17, because this builds upon that thought of the conscious decision behind being a true follower of Christ. It's much more than just a profession of faith. It's much more. Let's look at Romans 8 for that. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Okay, there's a blanket, a blanket statement there. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you are a child of God. What does that mean? For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Okay, to fall back into fear. Now, does a small child understand that? No. Does a small child say, I can step away from fear and follow after Christ? No. No, they don't. They're children. So it's talking about this blanket statement, and it's showing it applied to those who are, have decided to follow Christ. But you have received a spirit of adoption when we cry, Abba, Father. 
It is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So, again, if you have a small child or an infant or a toddler, are they capable of suffering with Christ? No, they're, they're not. No. So, the, see, baptism belongs. We believe now, folks. Obviously, this is this is a Christian question's belief here. That we're being very emphatic at this point. But we believe that baptism is a symbol of something much greater that is chosen by the person to be baptized. That shows that they are willing to follow after Jesus, to walk in His footsteps, a life of doing the will of Jesus, sacrificial unto death. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject: Why do we baptize? Coming up, what do cucumbers, boiling water, and vinegar have to do with baptism? Seriously, Rick. That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, why do we baptize? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Rick, I'm having a lot of trouble sitting here smelling the chocolate (laughs) from these cupcakes driving me crazy. I know. They are a little closer to you than they are to me. That's by design. I don't want to be distracted, but uh, it was 15 years ago this week that Christian Questions started on the air. Uh, again, neither one of us had any radio experience. We had sort of an idea of what this thing was supposed to be about, and uh, you took out, took a, took a, took a step that had no idea it was going to lead. Step out on faith. And 15 years later, uh, we have an, in- an awesome privilege of discussing with the public uh, throughout the world, the gospel of Christ. That's wonderful. Throughout the world. It's a privilege. It is, it is a privilege that is beyond my ability to comprehend, and I just could not be, personally, could not be happier than to be sitting here on Sunday mornings. I, th- this, is like, this is like one of the great things in life for, for me, personally, and I, I know it is Oh, absolutely. It just, it's just amazing. So, Jonathan, uh, you talking about, what were you talking about, vinegar and pickles? Yeah, uh, vinegar, cucumbers, boiling water. I'd rather talk about chocolate cake. Me but. too. <laughs> okay, so what does all that got to do with baptism? Let's, we'll get into that in a moment. Um, let, we've got to go to a soundbite here, another soundbite from VaticanCatholic.com uh, about water immersion versus sprinkling and, and so forth and so on. Uh, so let, let's listen to this. Some people also say that the word baptism in Greek exclusively means immersion. This is not true. The word is used to signify immersion, but it is also used to signify washings which are not immersions. Examples where baptism means washing but not immersion are found in Luke 11.38 and Hebrews 9.10. Okay, so um, we are among those who say that uh, baptism uh, does mean to immerse. Yes. And now why do we say that? Uh, because if you look at the word baptizo, uh, that's the, the Greek word, what is the literal definition of that? To submerge, immerse. To make overwhelmed. All right, and and just the way that that particular word is used is in uh, Matthew three six, for instance. And were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. 
Um, and and one more, Mark 7, 4. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things were there be, which they have received to hold as the washing of cups, pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. And that's the kind of thing that, because that word for, for baptizo, immerse, immerse, submerge, except they wash, they eat not. Now, mm-hmm. again, this is, this is uh, focused on in CQ Rewind, the full edition, so you have to sign up for uh, Christian Questions uh, at ChristianQuestions.com, but it talks about what it means to actually wash. Before I get into that, though, Jonathan, why don't we go to the phones? All right. Well, we have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys, and congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you. Many, many, many more. We'll see. <laughs> we have Genesis fifteen eight. O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Abraham sat in the desert alone, waiting for a sign from God, a way to know that the promises made to him would be fulfilled. The Christian does not wait alone. Luke 3.21 After all the people had been baptized, and Jesus also had been baptized, and was praying, heaven was opened. One of the signs of baptism is that we are part of a community in Jesus. Jesus chose to be baptized in public. He loves us and calls us to share that love. The empowering water of baptism reminds us that we do not sit alone. 1 Corinthians 12:13 For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate it. God bless you guys. Me Take too. care. And, and you know, he he talked about something that we actually haven't mentioned yet, and I think it, it's worthy of bringing up. He talked about Jesus being baptized in public. Mm-hmm. He made a public proclamation of "Here I am." Essentially, what that was was the the the, the public proclamation of the fulfillment of the prophecy. Here, I, here am I. Send me. Right. It, it gives you a sense of moving forward through that that public symbol. So, Randall, thanks very much uh, for those scriptures and, the, and those thoughts. So, so, Jonathan, let's get back to this um, this word for baptize. You know, it's also translated a couple of times. Wash. Remember, in in that soundbite, it said in Luke eleven thirty eight. Right. It talks about washing, and in Mark seven four, it talks about washing. That's the same word for baptize. Realize that for the Pharisees to properly wash. The way they did it is they had to submerge their hands and their forearms up to their elbows in water. That's how they washed. That's how that they, was the part of the law. Right. That's how they were assured that they were to be made clean. So that is showing submersion. It is. That's showing oh, being overwhelmed in the water because their, their hand was, their arm was in the water up to their elbows. It had to be up to their elbows. And, of course, they were real sticklers for every detail of the law. Oh, yes. So that's interesting that that word, when you look at, at the, the, the ceremonial aspect, it's showing, it is showing submersion or immersion as we talk about. The root word for baptism uh, is very, very similar. Uh, and what does that mean? To overwhelm, cover wholly with a fluid. All right, and just let's look at a couple of quick uses there. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. All right, so you have this word, and it's a slightly different word, uh, but it still means to cover wholly mm-hmm. with, with, with fluid. John thirteen twenty six. Jesus answered, He it is to whom... I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. The word for dipped is the same word for the uh, root word of, of uh, baptism. That's right. And again, the concept behind it is not to sprinkle, 
but it is to submerge. And that's what the word really, really does mean. Now, in that, in that previous soundbite, it said, well, Luke 11.38 it gives a different, different sense of that. Really, Luke 11.38 was about washing, the ceremonial washing. Mm-hmm. And when you look at how they did it, there was submersion. Right. Hebrews 9.10 was the other scripture they had mentioned, and that is also in Seeker Rewind, the, the, the full edition. We have a whole word study on bapti- uh, baptism in that. And that Hebrews 9.10 comes in in an entirely different word, that talks about ceremonial washings, plural. Okay. Okay? So when they say the word doesn't necessarily mean that, eh, the Hebrews 9.10 is a di- whole different word. It, it's got the same basic roots, but it, it's, it's actually a different word. So okay. j- just putting that in perspective. Now, let's get to pickles. Cucumbers, boiling water, vinegar. And, and I think this is going to help to put it in perspective. Uh, what baptism truly means. Now, in, our, in the last segment, we talked about who should be baptized. And again, we, we personally here, this is a Christian questions perspective, are emphatic about the idea that baptism belongs to individuals who have decided, who have consciously decided to give up their own will to follow the will of Christ, to live a life of sacrifice even unto death. And the symbol of going underwater is your symbolic death and being raised up is life anew in Christ. To a newness of life. Yes. So we believe it has to be a conscious adult decision. That's, that's our perspective. And we believe the scriptures support that. Now on the matter of, well, should it be complete submersion in water? Can it be sprinkling? Or can it be pouring water over the head of somebody? What do we think about that? Because then you run into the logistical problem, Jonathan, of, well, what if you're going to be baptizing there's not a big enough water supply? Does that mean the person can't be baptized? So you have to ask that There's question. There's another question. Right, yeah. right. So, but let's, before we get to that, let's get back to some ancient Greek history to understand what baptism actually really meant. So it's talking about the word, the original word we talked about for baptism, the one that means to immerse or submerge, to make overwhelmed, mm-hmm. and not confusing it with the root word. Okay, so the root word and then the word for baptism. This is from Bible Study Magazine. James Montgomery Boise, uh, back in uh, May of 1989, was writing on some Greek history here. Not to be confused with bapto. That's the root word. The clearest example that shows the meaning of baptizo, which is is the word we're talking about, is a text from the Greek poet and physician Nicander, who lived about 200 B.C. It is a recipe for making pickles, and is helpful because it uses both words. Nicander says that in order to make a pickle, the vegetable should first be dipped, bapto, that's the root word, into boiling water, and then baptized, baptizo, in the vinegar solution. Both verbs concern the immersing of vegetables in a solution, but the first is temporary, and the second, the act of baptizing the vegetable, produces a permanent change. When used in the New Testament, this word more often refers to our union and identification with Christ than to our water baptism. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Christ is saying that mere intellectual assent is not enough. There must be a union with him, a real change, like the vegetable to the pickle. So the moral of the story is, be the pickle. (laughs) (laughs) Really, it is. That's what we want to see with baptism. Because what it symbolizes is the fact that you've changed from a cucumber to a pickle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think of Veggie Tales. I mean, they could have, have had fun with this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, as long as it's a bread and butter pickle. I like the sweet ones. 
but the idea is that the 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 solution that the that the the cucumber is the, is is set sent into, uh, it is absorbed into that cucumber and it literally changes it. Yes. So baptism is showing a literal change of how we look at our lives. It's a it's a change that says I am no longer no longer do I live for myself. But I now live for Christ. And so when it talks about being baptized into his death, that see, that makes it very clear. Oh, it does. I used to be a cucumber, and now I'm a pickle. I've now been baptized into Jesus' death. I have changed the way I live. Arise and be baptized. Arise and change direction. It can only be done by somebody who knows what they're doing. That's right. Only those who are willing to deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow him. Right? For everyone else... For everyone outside of that, because you say, okay, you've got all those, but for everyone else, there's the grace and mercy of, of Jesus' ransom. Yes. And that's a story for a different Sunday. Okay, we don't have time to get into all of that, except for the fact that we want to put it into the mix because we, we are clearly excluding so many from proper baptism. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. Again, that's a Christian question's perspective. Uh, we're clearly excluding many. Well, what do you do with the many that are excluded from this baptism? Jesus' ransom. So let's take a look at how that applies. We've got about a minute left. Genesis twenty two eighteen. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. That's the great promise given to Abraham that who's going to be blessed? All the families of the earth. And how are they going to be blessed? Through Christ and the church. Through, through Abraham's seed, right? That's right. Okay, so now who is, who is Abraham's seed? Now that's Galatians, the next scripture, Galatians 3.16. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one, and to your seed, that is Christ. So he's talking about that Jesus is the spoken seed of Abraham in that promise. That's right. So when God gives the promise to Abraham that says, In thee and in thy seed will all the families of the earth be blessed, he's really saying, In you and in your seed, Jesus Christ, will all the families of the earth be blessed. Mm -hmm. So now Galatians 3.27 magnifies that and puts it all in perspective, and this is why we are baptized. For all of you were baptized into Christ, hath clothed yourself with Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise. So there you have the answer. If you have been baptized into Christ, into his death, not just a mere profession of faith, but baptized into his death, you have clothed yourself with Christ, living a new life. You've gone down into death, like you said, and then you were raised up into a newness of life. And you belong to Christ. And the scripture says, and if you are Christ's, then you're Abraham's seed. And you inherit the promise. And what's the promise? To bless all the families of the earth. So all of those people that were saying should not be baptized, what do they get? Blessing. That's right. From those who are the baptized, truest followers of Jesus. That's what it all boils down to. So, Jonathan... Boils uh, down yeah, to, yeah. 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 <laughs> Again, be the pickle. Seriously, it sounds so silly, but it is such a great picture. You once were a cucumber, and now you're a pickle. What it means is you are different than you used to be. You are acting differently. You are walking differently. You are following a different pattern because you are following... The, the will of God through Jesus Christ in every action and every thought of your life. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We hope you've enjoyed being with us this morning. It's certainly been a, a, a tough subject with a lot of different perspectives, but we want to appreciate the, uh, the, the willingness 
to look at the scriptures and try to identify what the Bible truly teaches. And again, happy birthday to Christian Questions, 15 years on the air as of this coming week. Um, for Jonathan Rick and Christian Questions, we'll be back again next week with another subject. But until then, don't forget to check us out on Facebook. Let us know what you think. We love to hear from you. Till next week, why do we baptize? Think about it. Thank you.